Now that you're fully awake, Sister Glenna is going to preach to us. I will do my best with my volume. Good morning, good people, morning. and welcome to Advent 2023. Now, some of you may be wondering, Sister Glenna, how come you're giving the reflection on this first Sunday of Advent? And I'll tell you a story. The Advent Planning Committee met some weeks ago to settle on our theme and talk about our decor. And I opened my big bazoo and said, you know, somebody's going to need to explain all of this on the first Sunday of Advent. And Melanie Tesca said, well, Glenna, great, you could do it. And Father Bob looked at me and he said, well, you walked right into that one. So the moral of that story is, don't ask of anyone else what you're not willing to do yourself. My dear friends, join me, if you will, on a journey through time and space. As I set the dials in the Wayback Machine, 800 years to the year 1223, to the Rieti Valley of Italy in the small town of Greccio, and when we arrive, we see there our beloved Francis of Assisi. The year 1223 has been a rough one for Francis, and he has come to Greccio to spend Advent in quiet, prayerful retreat. Earlier in the year, he returned from the Middle East and his visit with the Sultan. Upon his return, he found the brothers in a bit of disarray. You know, when the cat's away. <laughs> the rule and life that he had written for them had been lost. And he was compelled to write a second version. In early November of that year, he gathered his brothers to review the document, which was then sent to the Curia in Rome. And then on November 29th, 1223, the rule and life of the lesser brothers was signed by Pope Honorius III and thus formally established the Franciscan order. This rule and way of life is one that the friars follow to this very day. Then Francis did another extraordinary thing. He resigned as minister general of his own order this had never been done before. But Francis, being Francis, felt he had done what was his to do, and it was time for him to move on. Since the time of his conversion, his desire was simply to live his life in imitation of the Gospels. He never had any intention to found a movement or an order. So once the rule was in place, he left the management of it to others and went on doing what he did best, following in the footprints of Jesus Christ. In early December 1223, Francis and a couple companion brothers traveled down into the valley and up to the small mountain town of Greccio. Now friends, I've been to Greccio and traveling there by bus is a harrowing trip. The roads are steep 
and twisty with hairpin turns. And Francis didn't take a bus or even a donkey. He went there on foot. It's a beautiful but rough terrain there in the mountains. A small town surrounded by forests and caves. And it is in these caves that Francis and his companions spent their time in prayer and contemplation. Now we can only imagine Francis's mood, and his prayer must have been something like, what now, Lord? We don't know what the Lord's answer was, but what we do know is what Francis did next. The biographer of St. Francis, Thomas of Chilano, provides the details to this part of the story. Francis had a deep desire to celebrate people with the to celebrate Christmas with the people of Greccio. Now the people of Greccio were already Christian and they already knew about Christmas. They knew the scriptures, they understood the symbolism and the rituals of Christmas. So Francis had a desire to do something new. He wanted a fresh approach to Christmas to give people a new experience to enliven and inspire and awaken the spirit of awe, wonder, and joy. He wanted the people to experience Christmas with all their senses. He didn't want them to just hear about it. He wanted them to see it with their own eyes. And he set out to, to create a new Bethlehem in Greccio. And desiring to enact the memory of the babe who was born in Bethlehem, Francis asked a man named John to provide him with a few things for the celebration of the Holy Mass on Christmas Eve. He asked for an ox, a donkey, some straw, and some wood to build a crib. Now, I'm going to take a little commercial break here and say that I am indebted to Franciscan scholar Sister Mary Elizabeth Imler, who spoke eloquently about this story a few weeks ago. I had the privilege of listening to the lecture on Zoom, and I took copious notes. It was extraordinary to see how even a seasoned Franciscan scholar like Mary Elizabeth could get so excited about something new that she had learned so that she could share it with us on the lecture and I can now share it with you. Francis was very intentional with his requests of John. It's important to note that there is no mention of an ox or a donkey in the stable in Bethlehem in the Gospels, in the Gospel accounts. This came out of Francis's imagination. He chose these two animals with purpose. In medieval times, a good number of people were still illiterate, unable to read the written word. But they had knowledge and understanding of symbols and were able to read images. Now some of the meaning of these images have been lost across the centuries. So Mary Elizabeth explained that in medieval iconography, the ox represented the Hebrew people. 
The ox is a clean animal with inner strength and provides nourishment. The donkey represented the pagans or the Gentile people. It is an unclean animal and a beast of burden. Francis was intentional to bring these two animals together as a symbol of Christian unity, as a symbol that all are welcome. The hay provides nourishment for all, and the crib remains empty. In the story, Chilano explains that John imagined a vision of Francis holding the babe as he preached the word of God, but there was no babe in the crib. The crib remains empty beneath the altar because we do not need the baby. We receive Christ in the holy word of scripture and in the Eucharist. When we hear the word of God and take Eucharist, we become the Christ incarnate. Incarnation is the essential event for Francis in all the ways that Christ manifests in our lives. In the scripture, by reading and hearing, we take the word of God into our hearts. In the Eucharist, we receive the body and blood of Christ into our body as spiritual nourishment. The people of Greccio did experience something new and were filled with awe, wonder, and joy. Chilano records many miracles following the Greccio event. People took some of the hay from the cave and fed it to sick animals who were restored to health. And pregnant women who took some of the hay placed it on their bellies and were safely delivered of their babies. And reenactments of the scene in Bethlehem has become a popular tradition over the centuries. Who of us does not have a nativity scene in our home? So let's take a pause and breath and jump back into our time machine and return to our present time and space. Awaken joy, there's room for you in the crib. This is our Advent theme, and this is our Advent challenge. Can we imagine ourselves in the crib? Can we imagine ourselves as the Christ incarnate? When you approach our cave scene here, you will find a mirror in the place of the baby Jesus in the crib. And so our challenge is to gaze into the mirror and to see Christ in our own face. Now friends, I've learned my lesson. I would never ask of you to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. So I did take a good look in the mirror. And I confess to you, my brothers and sisters, that I didn't see the face of Christ at first. I was too distracted by the gray hair that I saw on my head <laughs> and my face ashen and swollen because of my recent surgery. It's not always easy to look into our face 
and discover the Christ incarnate. But my friends, it is exactly what we are called to do. To recall that we are created in the image and likeness of God. Born of goodness and love, we are compelled to see ourselves as beloved children of God. Because once we recognize the Christ in our own face, in our own lives, and in our own hearts, then we can turn our eyes to the faces of others and see the Christ that dwells within them. And then we can truly live the message of Christmas to awaken the spirit of joy and wonder, to live lives of peace and harmony, to offer one another gifts, gifts of love and compassion, mercy and forgiveness. And like Francis, we are called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ all the days of our lives. Our final lesson, I turn to another important source of holy wisdom, the Charlie, Crown, Charlie Brown Christmas special. You remember the song, Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer. Oh, that we could always see such spirit through the year. Awaken joy. Live a life of wonder and awe. Find yourself in the crib. Seek the face of God in yourself and in all others. Live as Christ, bringing gifts of love and compassion. And may peace be with us all. <laughs>